And welcome back to another episode of the So Flow Vegans podcast. I am your host, Sean Russell, founder of So Flow Vegans. And on this episode, we have the co-founder and president of PETA, Ingrid Newkirk. She gave us an interview a while back, and now we are releasing it to the public. You get to check out what was the catalyst for creating PETA, what changes she's noticed in the animal rights movement, and a whole lot more. So check that out in a few minutes. Actually, a few seconds, so I'm not going to keep, keep you long. I'm not going to keep you long in this intro. <laughs> also, we have news, and we have an interview that we did with the uh, one of the owners of Green Barn Kitchen. I get to hear how they started their restaurant. An interesting story. So um, stay tuned for that as well. We have news, and then we have our first contest. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we will be hosting contests. And this contest that we're, we're going to be debuting on this podcast is a giveaway, a giveaway tickets to see the new documentary, Eating Animals. That's right. You'll get to find out how you can grab yourself a pair of tickets to see Eating Animals. It comes out July 27th. So the tickets will be good for, for a couple of days after that. You can go and check it out. So stay tuned for more details on that, as well as news, updates, and a whole lot more. Only on the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. This is Ingrid Newkirk from PETA, and you're tuned in to SoFlow Vegans. All right, today we're here with Ingrid Newkirk from PETA, co-founder and president of PETA. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with SoFlow Vegans. We really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure entirely. I'm so glad you exist. <laughs> and I'm so glad you guys exist because <laughs> it sets the basis for what's possible for this movement, for veganism as a whole. And there are so many different parts of veganism. We like to look at the animal rights, the health and wellness environment, and then provide a platform for anyone who's speaking to those points to speak directly to our community. And PETA, you've been doing that. You're the largest organization out there right now. And I want to take this opportunity to find out a little bit under what's underneath that. What made you want to go ahead and create this organization? Um, like, what was mm -hmm. what was a catalyst for that? I hate injustice. I, it really it eats into me. It gets under my skin. And of course, there are billions and billions of animals who are disregarded simply because they've been labeled animals. When it's a biological fact that we're all animals. Mm. Uh, it doesn't really matter whether we have fur or feathers or skin or what gender we are or race or religion or anything. We're just all living beings. And to treat some living beings so unjustly, to um, hurt them and kill them and disrespect them and mock them, just really ate into my craw. And I thought, we need to change people's minds and hearts, and through that, we'll change their behaviors. Because if we can show them that for every cruel thing they do, there's a kind thing that they could have done, and how easy that is, then I think the majority of people, not those who are like Attila the Hun, <laughs> but the majority of people will say, I'll take the kind thing. Why not? So that's really the impetus. 
And of course, I saw so many cruel things in the course of my professional life and my personal life. And each one, I thought, this doesn't have to be this way. And so we formed the group to just try to get materials out, show people what happens behind the scenes, because most people don't go to a laboratory. They don't go to a factory farm. They don't see how a, a Canada goose jacket becomes a jacket, what happens to the coyotes and the geese. But we can see, we can show the videos, show the photographs, have the eyewitness accounts, and then say to people, look, don't buy this stuff. You know, here's all the other stuff you can buy, amuse yourself with, wear, and so on. So that was the impetus. And um, Peter started in, in the 80s. In 1980, exactly. 1980. It's easy to calculate because <laughs> it was 1980. So from 1980, and let's go back even further, from the 70s when you initially got started in the, in the movement, what have you noticed as far as ha <laughs> and things moving in a certain direction from then to now? Well, of course, like every other movement for social justice, it's this slow crawl. And you sometimes have spurts of victory. And then you sink back a little bit. There's a lull. And then you move forward. The thing is, you've just got to keep moving. And the longer we've been here, I mean, we started out with five people. Mm. And nobody even knew what a vegan was. They thought it was a person who lived in Las Vegas. <laughs> and so they really did. And you couldn't even ask for a vegetarian meal without someone saying, oh, I don't know. You know, now everything has changed. And that's just because the more you talk it up, the more you show people, the more you just keep plugging away, the more people we get onto our side. Mm. And that movement just grows and grows and grows. And at some point, you reach a tipping point. And we've seen it happen with other movements who never thought it would happen. And yet, that moment has come because the strength of understanding and support has been growing because of a few voices and a few more voices and so on. So activism, education, speaking out is everything. And all these changes have come about and many more have to. So you mentioned a tipping point. So are you saying that we are in the tipping point? No. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay, guys. <laughs> I don't think we're there yet. With some issues we are. Mm. For example, the animal circus. And I think we're getting there with the use of uh, marine mammals in these sea aquariums, or what we call abusement parks. Mm. We're seeing the tipping point with fur. Um, just recently, we've had Donna Karen, who is a huge holdout. Michael Kors, another holdout. Donatella Versace, a holdout, all say no to fur. Mm. It may not be coming from their heart, but mm. they know it's coming because consumers no longer wish to buy it. So we are seeing these mini tipping points what we've got to get to is beyond this cruelty and that cruelty and the other cruelty, we've got to get to the understanding that animals are like us, they are us, and that they feel, and that any use and abuse of them is a problem morally and ethically, and we need to change it. And that tipping point hasn't yet come. Mm. There has to be a Me Too movement and a so on for animals. So what advice would you give to people out there who are creating you know, activist, activist groups and, and trying to move us towards that <laughs> tipping point. Like, What sort of advice would you give to them to help encourage them? Three words, never be silent. Mm. Because silence is death. And other movements have said that because it's true for all movements. 
If you don't speak up when you see an injustice, then you're allowing it to continue. And it may be uncomfortable, and someone may argue with you, or they may put you down. Who cares? I mean, really, who values the opinion of somebody who is unkind mm. or someone who's rude? Uh, a troll, who cares? The thing is, you must keep saying the truth, saying what's honestly known to you in your heart, is that these animals feel pain, they feel joy, they feel love, they grieve. You burn them with a cigarette, it's the same as you burn me with a cigarette. These, you don't have to have a PhD to know what is just and what is unjust. So just, you know, make yourself say, I have to say something. I will not allow that to go unchallenged. And I don't always mean in an antagonistic way because most people haven't thought about it. Most people don't realize what they're doing. Or most people, even if they do, think they can get away with it because everyone else is doing it. If you say, excuse me, um, what you're wearing, I just thought you should know. I saw a documentary, and this is what I saw. And inform them politely. You never have to be rude. You can always just be educational and sympathetic because most of us weren't born vegan. Mm. Somebody had to help us get there. So help somebody else. A lot of people get there. Give out materials. Leave the vegan starter kit at the gym, at the doctor's office, on the bus, whatever. But make sure people get the information, and then we'll grow. And I have two questions left, because I know we have an event coming up, and I want to make sure you have enough time to prepare for that. First question, PETA has a lot of resources on its website in order for people to get started and to get moving and to continue to yes. stay. What are some of your go-to resources for people to use? I think our videos are key because most people are on social media. And so if you take just one of our issue in 30 seconds video, it only requires 30 seconds of anyone's time to just press and play. And so spreading those on social media, take any of our videos, nothing is copyrighted. We have our vegan starter kit, but we also have things about the cruelty of sheep shearing, which is a revelation to many people. They think, oh, they're just getting a haircut. But actually, you see the shearers punch them in the face. They break their necks. They do all sorts of things. There are so many things that you wake up to when you look at our videos and think, I had no idea. I'm never going to do or buy or say that again. So videos first, BSKs, vegan starter kits second. And then we have pamphlets about everything and we have choices like not to dissect for teachers, for children, for parents to look at. It's all there. Just take your pick. Do something. Do anything and do as much as you can. And, and this, next, this last question is really a selfish question because as someone who runs an organization is looking to grow it and get more people involved, how do you deal with the negativity that comes with an organization that continues to grow. Um, like, how do you, you know, put up, put up, not I want to say put up with it, but like, how do you deal with that internally and not let it get to you? Well, if someone seems to have a genuine misconception about something we do, we always get back to them. We'll give it a go. We'll try and re-educate them as to what they're getting wrong about us, what they dislike about us. Um, but if they're just trolls and they're just nasty and they're vicious and so on, or violent, because mm -hmm. we do get some of that, 
Um, I ignore them. And I, I know it sounds as if I'm flippant about that. I'm not. I've just come to realize that in this life, there are always going to be hateful people. And you can't spend your time dwelling on it, arguing with them endlessly. You just concentrate on the fence sitters and the positive people. Mm. And together, we're the ones who are going to change everything, because historically, that's always been how it is. Mm -hmm. The ones who fight off social change are going to be defeated, but just don't give them the, your time. Mm -hmm. And then, um, anything, any closing remarks that you want to make <laughs> to our audience, anything that we didn't touch on that's really important to you right now? I think my overriding message is always never underestimate your importance. You know, we don't live in a country where you're going to be thrown in jail or have your fingernails pulled out because you state your opinion. We're supposed to have our First Amendment rights of free speech. So please use your voice and use your power as a consumer and never feel that, oh, it's just me or I'm by myself or there aren't. We're growing. We're growing. And when you speak up, other people are cheering you on who feel the same way. And you happen to motivate them to, to speak up as well. So just be strong. Be proud of your beliefs. And never be silent. Thank you so much. And I want to thank um, Ingrid Newkirk from PETA from, for speaking with SoFlo Vegans. We really appreciate you taking the time. And I look forward to watching your presentation today. Thank you for what you do. And we're back. Yes, I'm still Sean Russell, founder of SoFlow Vegans and host of this here podcast. And we are in the news portion. Big news, really big, big news surrounding plant-based products. Innova Market Insight has found that plant-based claims have increased by 62% worldwide between 2013 and 2017. So this includes plant-based proteins, active botanicals, sweeteners, seasonings, and food colorings. But my hat is being tipped to dairy alternatives and meat substitutes, which can take a lot of the credit for raising the awareness levels in shoppers. Tempeh is also rising in popularity and is expected to reach a value of 5.8, wait for it, billion by 2026. So another thing about that is that plant-based product development is increasing by a compounded annual growth rate of 11% from 2013 to 2017. So all good signs that things are moving in a direction where more plant-based options will be available as well as consumed, which is not only good for the animals, but also good for the environment. And speaking of consuming plant-based alternatives, there is a new vegan egg scramblet that debuted that you can purchase. And it's made from pumpkin seeds, turmeric, garlic powder, and black salt. And it contains 20 times the antioxidants and more protein, iron, omega-3, and zinc than animal eggs per serving. So this is, um, it's, it's called the uh, egg scramblet. <laughs> and you can actually purchase it online at Milk Guys, on the Milk Guys website. And we'll have a link to that in our show notes. And uh, how much? It's $7.99, last time I looked on their website. So as 
of this recording at $7.99. You can purchase it on their website, have it shipped to your home. And all of the news for this episode is brought to you by Veg News. They are a trusted source for vegan, plant-based news. Make sure you check them out, vegnews.com. So coming up next, we have our interview with Charles Grippo, who is the owner and chef at Green Bar and Kitchen. So make sure you check them out online at greenbarkitchen.com. This is uh, Charles Grippo from Green Bar and Kitchen, and you are tuned into SoFlo Vegans. Why did you decide to open a plant-based restaurant in South Florida? Uh, we opened up, I'll give you the short version, it's uh, a family member had a stroke and was pronounced brain dead uh, through uh, getting permission, and I can't believe I still have to say getting permission, to put stuff in uh, his feeding tube. Uh, we helped nurse this person out of a coma, and they have a functional life today. And witnessing that miracle um, was really hard to ignore. So we said, hey, let's start a food truck, and we can do you know, plant-based uh, desserts and juices and tonics and things like that. And that eventually led to Green Boring Kitchen is the, is the short version. But uh, to see somebody almost brain dead and to see how the hospitals reacted was, you know, was, uh, was, a, was a story in itself. You know, they just couldn't wait to get him out. You know, it was just, was, was, it was a sad time. But the end result is, you know, my buddy's alive. And uh, Elena, who's my partner, was actually his sister. So we met after all these years, getting reunited, and we have this, this little vegan world that we, that we live in. We picked vegan because it, make, it makes the most sense. I feel it's the healthiest way to eat. Um, all the good it does, it's the animals it saves, the, uh, the environment, what it does to the body, you know, the charity work we're able to do. So it's kind of hard to ignore that. And yeah, you, you mentioned it, the charity work. What, do you mind talking about it? We always tie ourselves to something. We, we donate a lot of money. We, whether it's as simple as a gift card or it's just writing a check or holding a fundraiser, uh, doing things in the back for other communities to, to raise money, book signings, things like that. So it's been helpful. You know, we're always trying to give a little back. We don't have much, but we give what we can, you know? And what can someone expect to experience coming to your restaurant for the first time? A friendly atmosphere. Everybody says energy is always great when you come in here. So high energy, great food, beautiful colors, friendly staff, things like that. So we want this, we always say we want this to be an extension of your home. So when you come in, you want to feel like, hey, what's going on? Hey, could you make me this? Or could you do a little bit of this? And you know, we'll change things up. And we're always open for suggestions. And we're always polling our audience. So you know, we really like to be plugged in with our community. So I think that alone, the customer service, I like to think, is, is, is a step above. Uh, food speaks for itself. That's what keeps people here. Uh, you can check out our reviews online. And some of the items, obviously, there's a lot of go-tos. I love the coconut burger. Um, I think I've tried the Impossible Burger. It's like, what are, what are some things you would recommend for them to definitely walk out of here with like an amazing experience? The truth, we, oh, we keep all the winners on the board. If there's something that's not performing, I, I watch the, uh, the itemized reports. If it's really not being received well or something's off, we'll pull that dish or we'll, we'll take it back into the kitchen, rework it, and see what we can do to make it, you know, a cut above. Um, everything's really, you know, we won uh, two burger battles, so those two burgers are up. Uh, our GBK Deluxe Burger, uh, which we make in-house, Coconut Burger. Uh, we, we have an affiliation with Field Roast. 
Um, and now we've just gotten the Impossible Burger from Impossible Foods, which is, I mean, being received very well. And the whole idea is to get people that are not familiar with this eating style to come in here. And the only way I can kind of get them to try it is to give them things that are familiar, look familiar, taste familiar, um, even though we want you know, plant-based foods to have their own identity. Um, but they're familiar, so they're willing to try it. And then once they come in, they're usually blown away, and we get to see them again. And that's, that's our motto, you know, reach one, teach one. You know, just try to get somebody that doesn't normally eat this way to eat this way because it's the future and it's not going away, you know? So um, I don't think one eating style is going gonna, is gonna to determine our future, you know? So I don't think one size fits all. But if I can get more people to do this than, than I did, let's say, the day before, you know, I, I feel that we're doing our job. So let me approach the question in a different way, because I'm coming, I mean, this is a selfish question, because I sure. love coming here and enjoying the food. Sure. What is an underrated item on your menu that people should maybe pay more attention to? Sorry, buffalo tempeh, prime example. Spicy, it, it's buffalo. <laughs> I mean, so you know it's gonna have a little bit of heat. But some people are um, very sensitive to the heat. That we can kind of mimic in other ways. We could, uh, sorry, we can mute that in other ways. You know, we can, we can tone it down. But, but tempeh, some people don't like the texture of it. Uh, I, I happen to like it. So the protein content in tempeh is greater than a porterhouse steak, almost ounce for ounce. It's no cholesterol, no fat. So again, not a nutritionist, I don't want to uh, to, to, to claim anything, but you know, when you're getting that amount of protein from something that, you know, uh, uh, instead of an animal protein, you know, why would you not want to try that? And um, you know, a lot of people say, hey, you know, uh, where am I going to get my protein? That's the biggest myth. There's protein in everything we eat. You know, maybe vegans eat a little bit more, but the protein's obviously there. And tempeh is a great, great protein source. And what are some difficulties you face as a business owner specific to running a plant-based business, restaurant? Across the board, it's labor. Labor, getting labor. That's the biggest, biggest hurdle down here. I've seen that. I'm originally from New York, so there's just a different, I think, a different ethic. Um, you know, I've, I've been down here. It's been challenging. You know, it's been challenging. I'm not going to lie. That's one of the difficulties because this is, uh, it's a great industry. Uh, the restaurant business, it's a, it could be a lucrative industry, but it's plagued with a lot of small problems. And that's the only thing I would say, if you're getting into this lifestyle, to just be weary, go into it eyes wide open, because that, it'll, it'll drive you to the brink of insanity sometimes, you know? It's a lot of moving parts. And that's the truth, so. And someone watching this right now, what solution can we help? How can we help you? Um, I think patience more than anything, you know, we're, constantly training, we're constantly improvising. Uh, Elaine and myself did not come from a restaurant background, so we learn as we go. And people that come in here can't believe that this is not a franchise. They say, how many are there? I'm like, eh, it's just one. And um, they can't believe how far we've come, you know, the, the numbers that we've achieved, uh, the accolades, the, you know, uh, people like yourself that are, 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 are pushing our, um, our style, our name, things like that, you know, super helpful. But, um, yeah. It's... Any advice that you can offer to plant-based business owners or anyone looking to venture into this space? Uh, do your due diligence. You know, watch your demographic. You know, people think because they open up a place, people are going to flock to them. Uh, I, I have seen that not work so well for other people. 
uh, since we've been open, in the six years we're open, maybe about a dozen people we know personally, and I'm, I think I'm being generous there, open to close businesses. Some people never even made it to opening. And you see you know, all this money being put into businesses, and the intent is, is there, but you know, sometimes the infrastructure is not. And, and that's the type of thing you have to be careful because, I mean, unless you're playing, you know, with, uh, with a lot of money, you know, that this, this could, you know, this could wipe you out if things go, if things don't work out. So I say watch your demographic, know your audience, and, and like, we built up an audience from the food truck, which was great. And then Elena and I were here, God, every day opening to closing for one year, you know, just to make sure that we got solid. And then, you know, we had started taking maybe like Sundays off or Saturdays off, but you know, we're here all the time. And again, just constantly, constantly see what your audience wants and make the changes. If one person tells you, all right, maybe it's a personal preference. When 30 people tell you, you need to make a change because now you're just being, you know, now you're trying to push your, your way on other people and, and your audience will tell you, you know, what, how you're doing. And any closing remarks, anything that you want to share about the restaurant? The, the God's honest truth is, I just want to say thank you for the people that come in here, because without you guys, we're nothing, and, and that means the world to us. And the fact that the, the vegan community is so compassionate and, and passionate, and um, I think it's, uh, it's like, a, like a family, like a little family you find yourself with, you know? You you've, you've already have some similar, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Some similar uh, uh, goals in, in mind and some similar priorities in mind. So it's, uh, I, I think that means a lot. I mean, it, it really does to us. Welcome back. And we are now in our local news section. That's right, news that's happening here in, you guessed it, South Florida and on the SoFlo Vegans website. So one of the big programs that we have right now is our discount card program. Now, if you follow us on Facebook or Instagram, you've seen announcements of the new partners that we're getting, and we're so happy to be able to partner with these restaurants and these businesses. So some of the new partners that we've received, that we've been able to um, be able to join us are the new vegan in Delray, Screaming Carrots in Hallandale Beach, Vegan Fine Foods in Fort Lauderdale. They have joined us. Holy, Holly Vegan Kitchen, Juno Bruno Organic Vegan Hair Salon, and That Vegan Food Truck have all joined our program. And you can go to soflowvegans.com slash card to find out what discounts they're offering and how you can get a card. And I'll tell you, it's very easy. You just click the button and you order it online. So we'll also be selling them at, at events so you can find out which events we're going to be at on our website. Our next event actually is going to be on August 5th for the August uh, Vegan Potluck. That's, that's happening it's a Sunday, I believe. So you can check it out our website, our calendar. We have that event listed as well as other events that are happening in the South Florida area. Now we're for our contest. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have our first official contest for our podcast, one of many to come. So we, we someone reached out to us and we were given tickets to see the documentary 
Eating Animals. Uh, probably heard about this documentary. It was in the news a couple of weeks ago. There's a lot of buzz behind it. It's going to be released on the 27th of July. And these tickets are for the following week. So that'd be the Monday after it's released, Monday through Thursday. You can check it out at the Stonesick Theater in Lake Worth. Now, if you're in that area and you definitely want to watch that documentary, here's how you can get the tickets for yourself. You get a pair of tickets. So to enter, you must visit our Staying Connected page. Now, the idea behind this page is we put all of our social media channels, any way that you can stay connected with us, that you can support us, we'll have those links on there. So what you get to do is go to that page, which is soflowvegans.com slash connected, and follow us, like us, you know, do any of those actions, as many as you can. And then in the comment sections for this show, which you can find on, find on soflowvegans.com slash podcast, um, just let us know what you did. It's that simple. So if you're already liking us on Facebook, let us know. You know, we're not going to penalize you for already supporting us. But um, let us know all the things that you've done that are on that page. And obviously, the more things you do, the more entries you get into the contest. It increases your chances of winning. And if you go to the show notes, you'll get a link to the documentary. You can watch the trailer, learn a little bit more about the film. And regardless of the contest, go out and check it out. Um, You know, there's a couple of vegan documentaries coming up. So it's, you know, awareness is great, right? (laughs) So that about does it for the SoFlo Vegans podcast. This is our third episode. We're so excited to have you. We are committed to doing this weekly, so we're always looking for guests. So if you're listening to this and you you you're you have a suggestion for a guest, you can email me directly at srussell at soflowvegans.com or leave it in the show notes. Leave it in the comment section of the show notes. Let us know what you thought. Leave a review. We'll have the link in the show notes to leave reviews. And subscribe. You know, you might have just listened to this on our website. Subscribe and you know, support support the SoFlo Vegans movement. And uh, with that being said, we'll see you next time.